See, you have to understand what I'm about to preach tonight because what I've learned is Jesus tore the veil. His body became the veil. He tore the veil. And, and the last thing you want to do is sew it back up with your strings that you've attached to Christianity. And on Friday, just a couple of days ago, the Spirit of the Lord said, I want you to go hide away. I have a word for you. And I, I went and hid away, and I must share a simplistic message tonight. In fact, I share about it a little bit in my new book, Unqualified. And if you're watching online, because we invited all of our RaiseTheRemnant.com friends to watch. If you're watching online, you get ready because you're going to get wrecked. But see, I'm going to be very transparent with you because when I get to heaven, my greatest fear is this. My greatest fear is to see two video screens. One showing me what I could have done. Or one showing me what I did. Look, Pat, you did this, you did this, you did this. You, you had miracles. You saw thousands touched by the Lord you, you, every single week. And that's awesome, son. But look what you could have seen if you only understood. Your dreams come at the level of your obedience. So I'm going to preach a warning message, almost an alarm, a warning to what will stop your move of God. And I have to share something because, see, I've learned purity is the backbone of authority and as authority is determined by brokenness. And the other day I was sitting on my prayer bench from the Great Awakening and I sat down on it because I heard the Lord calling my name. I went down to sit on my prayer bench and, and as I sat down on it, he said to me, will you just wander with me? I thought, well, that's weird until I begin to realize what wandering means. It means going somewhere but not caring because you know who you're with. And it began to burn some things inside of me. Over the next two weeks, I did not know what he was going to begin to do. But you know my anointing is to preach to the cave dwellers, to the ones that have desired to be the mobile upper rooms, the ones that will do like Karen and I over the last few weeks sitting on planes laying hands on people. Because it, it's kind of a great place to witness on planes because they can't run. Amen? <laughs> I mean, it's going to get dangerous. Y'all try to run. Nothing left to do. But I begin to realize that I've had a constant companion since I was 12 years old. A constant companion. It started when I walked into my mother's bedroom, a pastor's wife, and she was about to commit suicide. And I tackled her and took a pistol out of her hand. And the companion joined my life. I'm preaching about my companion. You're going to meet him in a minute. You're going to meet my companion. And over the years, I have conquered him, and he snuck back in. Because if you leave the house unguarded, he'll come back seven times stronger. That's why my dog is demon-possessed. <laughs> she don't guard. I baptized her one night. I slammed her in the water. I was, the Lord, I got home, and the Lord said, wash your family's feet. And I looked over at my dog, and she's looking at me. I picked her up and slammed her in the water, and I said, I cast that spirit of bark out. She didn't want to be free. But I'm reminded of October the 13th, 2013. I had just walked through nine months of something very intense, personal, with, with our secondary family. And, and, and something had happened with, with my side of the family, and it was very offensive. And my brother and I, and I'll never forget, I got off a plane after speaking at a men's conference in Florida. And I, I, I went to take, uh, Karen and I were taking Abby, and I've never told this story. But we went to take Abby to cheerleading practice there at the school. And I said, well, let's walk around the track. And for nine Nine months I had been oppressed by this thing and this heavy heavy thing called offense and when I was walking around the track my beautiful lady looks at me and by the way God is using her powerfully she's about to speak to 20,000 women in Brazil God is exploding doors it's crazy what is happening right now but it was prophesied it would happen in fact make sure you watch on Daystar on, D on April the 4th when she shares it's fierce but all of a sudden, Karen looked at me and she said, I want my husband back. He died nine months ago. And I said, he's dead. I got killed in that situation. And I looked at her and I said, but my greatest fear is that I'm passing my poison on while I'm preaching. And so I'm standing. We're in the middle of the football field that my son played high school ball on. And all of a sudden, I said, I'll tell you what, Karen. I took her by the hand. I said, I'm going to walk 100 yards. And when I hit the next goal line, if God doesn't deliver me, I'm quitting ministry. Oh, now you don't say that kind of stuff at a revival. And I began to walk 
the hundred yards and I begin those scriptures begin to pour out of me because thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you and scriptures start coming out people are out jogging with their families they're running around the track and I get to the 50 yard line I look at her I said he's got to lift it off me I can't handle the weight anymore I got to get free I got to get free and people are watching us and I'm just spouting scriptures and praying in tongues in a very Baptist town and 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 and, and I'm getting louder I'm getting louder amen so now you gotta get louder because it, it convinced yourself you're praying and 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 all of a sudden as I got to step across the goal line I'm holding her hand I stepped across the goal line and glory fell and lifted that thing and next thing you know I'm dancing in the end zone amen but there's been moments where it's tried to come back I'm preaching a message called get this dummy off my back and again it's two days old so I'll have to use notes show up in a service in about six weeks and I'll know it But then recently something else happened. You know what always does, that old devil. <laughs> in Genesis, he was a snake. In Revelation, he was a dragon. How many of you know we got to quit feeding the snake? We need to put a sign up in the church because the Bible says he was cursed to eat of our flesh. He was cursed to eat of, our, of the dust. We've been feeding him. He's turned into a dragon now. And so you got, we need to put a sign up in the church that says don't feed the animal. So we tried to sneak back because a very well-known ministry, and I will, I'll be very careful how I say this because I honor them, but a very well, I, I had a, um, um, uh, I don't know how I could say it without giving it away, but an intellectual property was taken and used by another ministry, very, very large ministry, and for about three months, man, and my son fueled it. He just texted me, Dad, you want me to go kill him? And, and, because that's what your kids are for. And so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like trying to shake it off, trying to shake it off. And finally, on the day that he was to present his intellectual property, all of a sudden, Karen came up out of the prayer room, and I had been up there working, and, and, I, and, and I was getting ready to go to the office to film for Raise the Remnant, and she looks at me, and she says, the Lord says he gave him Ishmael, but he gave you Isaac. And then she took me to Matthew, and she began to speak into my life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, it says this, in prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from uh, from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. And I'm standing there, and I start crying, I start weeping, and I said, I, I just things offended me three months ago. And 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 it goes on to say, if you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. And suddenly I realized, I went, oh dear God, I don't want to close the windows because I'm living in favor and blessing right now. And 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 said, so the Lord said, go post something on social media and bless him now that's almost crossing a line right there but I said all right because I don't want to be broke amen and so I go and post it and then he came on and thanks me for doing that and and I'm like okay I'm free and within 30 seconds a miracle came into the ministry we got texts from our staff they didn't even know I'd post a picture look what just happened and I'm like okay Lord this is good stuff I'll post pictures or stuff all over the place about people and so then I go get in the car, and my phone is, my car is dumb. It picks up my Bluetooth for no reason. It's demonic. And I go get in the car, and I'm getting ready to drive the office. And as soon as I turn the car on, the radio comes on, and it's the worship album from his church. And I just look up, and I said, really? But what you got to understand is, my friends, You'll never make it to the throne of God unless you fall at the altar of forgiveness. And the anointing is worth everything you have to give up in order to keep it. And suddenly peace overwhelmed me, just like it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose, whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I'm going to preach about something that you're going to hate. Because I'm going to get in your stuff a little bit tonight. And what you got to understand is, this is burning inside of me. There's so many powerful stories in God's word about offense. And from Jacob and Esau to, to, to Moses and Zipporah. I mean, she tried to kill her husband. They got a messed up marriage and all over circumcision. I mean, <laughs> back away, lady. And, and 
Even Mary and Jesus, when Lazarus died, she refused to meet him on the road because they sent word in John chapter 11, Lazarus, your friend has died. And Jesus said, we're going to stay here two more days. So all of a sudden, Jesus starts walking towards there and Martha, the intercessor, comes running out and she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother's dead. And he says, no, 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 this sickness will not end in death. And she said, oh, I know what you, you mean. We're all going to resurrect. But he said, no, no, no. He says, where's Mary? Oh, she, she's, she's at home because she's your worshiper. But you didn't, you didn't do what she wanted. And so she ain't coming to worship no more. She quit church. And Jesus said, fine, I'm going to stand here till she gets here. Because it wasn't the stench of death that kept him from the tomb. It was the stench of religion. And she walks up to Jesus, and according to God's word, and I began to study this in John chapter 11, 32, she said, Lord, if you just been here, and he cried. Because he's touched by her infirmities. Even Paul and Barnabas, I mean, there's just stories throughout the Bible. But the, the greatest, most epic story I could tell you tonight, that God began to burn inside of me, because I got free that day. I got free, man, I got free. I didn't even realize I was oppressed. Isn't that the way it is? preaching, seeing lives saved, but I wonder what would have happened in the early years if somebody had said there's something on your back. I wonder how much farther I could have already seen God move. And I'm telling you, since this has happened, since I got free of this one thing, heavens have opened, windows have opened, miracle things are happening. But what you have to understand, I love the story of Joseph. Because it's an epic movie. I mean, there's murder, there's deceit, there's there's tomfoolery that goes on. That's a redneck term. There's 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 sex. There's, I mean, it's it's an epic movie. There's but I love the life of Joseph because dreamers are always subject to rejection. The minute you step up and say, God, use me, you need to know you've not only set off the alarms in hell, but the very ones you thought you would they'd stand with you may not. It's David walking in up, sitting up by the fire, and he's saying, hey, what do you get if you kill the giant? And all of a sudden, his brother said, his brother looks at him and says, hey, you're full of yourself. Where's them little sheep, that little group of sheep you have? Go home. And David looks at him and says, what did I now do to you? Is there not a cause? And so the very ones, and so when he goes out to kill, Goliath his brothers don't believe till he wins amen that's when they're gonna cheer you on but what you have to understand there is no obstacle that will ever leave you this way it found you are you with me so far but there's a moment where you either choose to put on wings or pick up crutches there's a moment where you begin to say that I will not stand on the corner the corner of destiny and circumstances and always stare at my circumstances because I got a destiny over here and I've got to move to the next level somebody give him 10 seconds of praise Oh, I'm going somewhere and it's going to be intense because I'm preaching a life story right now. See, let me set the scene for you. Here's Joseph. He's 17 years old. He's the firstborn of the patriarch, Jacob, who is now called Israel, and, and the one that he loved, Rachel. He didn't come from the side of the family of, of Jacob and Leah because she had crooked eyes. Amen. The Bible says we guys. So he was the favorite of the family. He's 17 years old. Dad buys him an Armani. Puts the nicest suit on him. I mean, he's got it going on. The problem is he was prophetic before it was time. And if you tell the wrong people your dreams, you're going to get thrown in the pit. So suddenly he goes, and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, open there in your Bible if you have it, Genesis chapter 37, Joseph had a dream, looking at verse 5, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. 
He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. I mean, he's probably, I mean, it's just like he's just chilling. He's like, man, I had this dream. It was awesome. I had this dream. I had this dream. And, and we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, personally, if that was my brother, I would have hit him. And he's like, ain't that cool, guys? Lord going to raise me up. What's up? And then he has another dream, basically the same thing. And then we jump over to verse 19 of Genesis chapter 37. And all of a sudden, Joseph goes out there. He's got his new Armani suit on that dad bought him because he's the favorite. And he pulls up and they go, here comes that dreamer. And they said to each other, come on now, let's kill him. That's a redneck family if there's ever been a redneck family. This is one of those, this is one of those families, y'all have a reunion, somebody gonna die. This is one of those family reunions where they always have the cops at the end of the street because something gonna happen. We're gonna get through the barbecue, but don't start drinking. Come on now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these wells, a pit that would become a well. And we'll tell dad that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Here's a key. They could tolerate the coat, but they couldn't tolerate the dream. And they're just getting ready to kill him. And Reuben, who's the firstborn of Jacob and Leah, steps up and says, come on, guys, let's not kill him. And that's why later on that Jacob's very tribe would be the ones that would found what is called the cities of refuge, six cities of refuge. That's why God would honor him and say, I'm going to give you the cities of refuge. But, but that's something totally different because there's six cities of refuge that if you ever got in trouble with the law, you could go there. And it was, it was a sanctuary type of city. But what you have to understand, the Bible says in verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing and they took him and threw him into the cistern and now the cistern was empty for there was no water in it here's what I want to say to you we always want the billboards without the wilderness and you got to understand this was actually planned by God because Joseph's name in the Hebrew literally means it means he's been added to God adds to him Jehovah has added to him. So if you would just follow me for a minute. But so all of a sudden, he finds himself in the pit. The Ishmaelites come along and they say, hey, hey, you want him? We'll sell him to you. But, but I just had a dream that God was going to use me. And I imagine when he's riding on that camel, that camel through, the, through the wilderness and it's bouncing and he's tied. And when they would stop at night, they would throw him back into the dirt. I don't know about you, but that's the moment where I would have said, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. But I had a dream. And I thought it would happen right now. But nobody talked to you about the in-between. Nobody shared with you what's got to happen in between to get you to a place where you can handle the dream that will come 20 years later. You ain't getting this just yet. I had a dream. I was preaching to thousands. I, just, I saw a dream at 16 years old. The night I sold out to God, I had a dream of preaching in this stadium. I didn't even want to preach. I ran from the call, which will make you miserable. You can't run from it. It chases you down and beats you. And so, but I have a dream of this, of this giant stadium. I didn't see it until I was 36 when I walked out on stage in, in, in Australia and I'm like, it's the dream. But nobody told me about the 20-year gap. And what's crazy about this story is it hasn't even begun. Would you watch this video? Because the Spirit of the Lord is here. Bring the lights down. Watch this video.
Recognize him, his name is Off Ender. Because he turns off my joy and ends my peace. He's been with me for years. You might know him. He's my, he's my friend. He's been my confidant. He's, you know who he is, right? You may have met his mom, Gossip, or Gossip, or Jalos. That's his dad for jealous. So I brought off Ender with me because you have to, he's, he's Norwegian. What you have to understand, he's from the Bigwood clan. What you have to understand is I brought him with me tonight. In fact, when the Lord gave me this word a couple of weeks ago and it began to stir in my spirit, I actually went online walking on a plane and I said, I got to find him. But see, what you have to realize is I can't carry you and my cross. Paul said it in Romans chapter 7, and he was talking to the Romans because he understood that, that in, in Rome, in ancient Rome, one of the things they, they, they did was if you murdered somebody, they would strap the body to you, and you would have to carry the body as it decomposed. The Romans were very intense about their punishments. They had all kinds. They'd put you in a bag with a bunch of wild beasts. I mean, crazy stuff they'd do and, until the beast tore you to pieces. But, but, but one of the things they would do if, if you had conflict for some, with someone, someone and they died, they would take the body and strap it to you. So that eventually as this body decomposed, the poison went into your body and you die with it. And it's kind of like when you get hurt by someone and you're, you're, you're waiting on them to die while you drink the poison. And Paul even confronted this very thing. He was talking about this in Romans 7. I don't have time to go into all of Romans 7 and Romans 8, but it's so powerful. He's, he, he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subjected to death? And then he begins to talk about the two different people that live in one body, the sin nature and the God nature. But eventually he would get to play. You're tickling my ear. He does that. And what you got to understand is when you are anointed by God and when you're called by God, when he said, take up my cross in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said, whoever wants to be my disciples must decide that de deny themselves and take up their cross. Carrying your cross means I've got to lay down something else first. I've come to talk to everybody in this room that has been burned by somebody. Everybody in this room that says you have your strings attached and you keep sewing back up the holy of the holies. It was always already ripped by an earthquake. And you keep sewing it back up with your strings attached. Well, Lord, if you'll just deal with them, Lord, if my dad will come and say he's sorry for leaving us and so this thing sits on you and we've never seen the real you because you are walking around as a Siamese twin with something attached to your back and I've come to confront a spirit called offense because nobody ever talked to me about it. I youth pastored, had incredible blessings from God, had incredible favor, but I'd walk out of the office like this because I just waited to get offended. You better get ready because if you want to stop this move of God, I'm going to tell you how. And what you've got to realize, my friends, is put me around somebody that understands what it means to be free from offense and will take a city. And Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Argument separates friend, friends like a gate locked with bars. Proverbs 17, verse 9, overlook an offense and bond a friendship. Fasten on to a slight and say goodbye to a friend. The constant companion of the dreamer is the enemy called offense. Offense in the Hebrew. I mean, again, this is a brand new word he gave to me and told me 
I wish to share it here. Offense in the uh, offense in the Hebrew, uh, it means to rebel or transgress. But in, in the Greek, it even gets more and more intense because you'll recognize the word. In the, in the Greek, it means scandalize, to put a stumbling block or, or impediment in the and weigh upon which another may fall. That's why First Corinthians chapter six, Paul said, "I put no stumbling block and block in our ministry. I don't I don't want anybody to trip over our ministry. That's why I check our ministry constantly for purity, but." to cause to fall away, a trap, a snare, to be forced to, I got my friend with me tonight. He's been with me since I was 12. And many of the greatest and most anointed people that if God has ever used are buried with more people than themselves. And Paul said in Philippians 3.13, forget he's what, forgetting what is behind me. Proverbs 17.22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Listen to me. To ask God to allow you to never walk through the wilderness of despair is to ask God to use you without proof of persistence. So you're going to walk through some things. But offense, so you're getting this so far. I'm preaching about offense. I brought off Ender with me. Offense has the ability to quiet the dream and relinquish the call. Offense will cause you to lose your standard of living and instead live amongst the land of lost dreams where pettiness always prevails in the land of lost dreams you begin to waste it away at the point you got hurt we never get to see the real you because we don't know who you are today because of what you're carrying you throw out purpose for possession in fact i have found a lot of offended people can't even tithe because hurt people get greedy you develop the walls that keep, keep people out, hurt in and got away. You begin to live your life looking through the magnifying glass and not a telescope. I'm talking to somebody because I've lived this. Your joy becomes your depression. In fact, it is said that 85% of all leaders suffer from great hurts. You'll walk and you wouldn't believe the calls I get every week. For whatever reason, the Lord's allowing me to have all these pastors. Maybe it's because I wrote unqualified. These pastors all over America are calling me every single day and they're going, but I want to quit. And you'll, learn, you'll end up walking in the dark places where demons hide. Can I say this? I was a pastor for four years. Senior pastor. And I got tired of pastoring people's resume of pain. Because we build our theology off our pain. When the Bible tells us in Colossians, it tells us in Colossians, it, it gives us the promise that, that we're not called to. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed into us the kingdom of son of his love. What are you talking about? Revelation 3 verse 2 says, wake up. There's still something left. They didn't get everything. There's still something that I can use. There's a remnant that I'm going to raise up. You're not finished in the sight of my God. He told me to tell you it's time to get rid of offender. It's time to rise up in this place because because I'm telling you, some of y'all get married because your pain draws each other together. But if you'll get free, your joy will make it complete. There is something that's got to break loose in your life where you say, I'm tired of carrying this dead body on me. I'm tired of living poison because of what my dad did 10 years ago or my mom or this person did. And there's a moment where you say, I am going to get free. Cast all oh, you got to get a hold of this. And what you've taken as an offense, God wants to use as your testimony. That's why Romans 8 verse 28, it says, well, it works all together for the purpose, called according to his purpose. And the word purpose means created for public display. In other words, it's how he wins. But can I give you the antidote for revival? It's offense. Offense is the antidote for revival. In fact, what you got to understand, one factor, and I've studied revival like crazy. I've preached at some of the most recent, recent revivals. I love going there. But, but one factor that resonates through the annals of history for every great revival is it started with unity. But have you ever noticed that all revivals eventually end? Because strife, offense, envy, and discord are the tombstones of past revivals. And listen to me, if you want to stop what God is doing here at Fresh Start and get your Sunday night back, just get offended. Because there's people all over this city that are drinking the venom from the poison of the serpent snake because the devil got kicked out of heaven because it started with offense. 
And there are people that will never taste and see that God is good and never experience the glory of the Lord because somewhere along the way, they got marked. And instead of being a mile marker, it became a tombstone. And instead of saying, wait a minute, I don't need to worry about this anymore because I'm going to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to walk away from this thing. Oh, I just walked through this. Now I'm telling you because I've got too many dreams and I'm telling you, my Bible tells me that I got to be careful. But when you study revival, it's always about unity, unity, unity. It says in Acts 2, 1, they were in one mind and one accord. And then suddenly, suddenly is always preceded by obedience, by the way. It suddenly doesn't just happen. You have to have obedience before that ever takes place. Psalms 1 and 33, behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Romans 12, 4, many parts but one body. Romans 15, verse 6, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unity, 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 unity. Philippians 2 verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and one mind. So you better learn to say grace. Grace. I'm going somewhere. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 lays it out for us concerning grace. Pat, why are you preaching this? Because I had a flaw that only my wife. And for years I've preached, been over, until I got free. It started three years ago when he said I was in Gettysburg and he said, go dance in the minefield. Early one morning and I said, Lord, I'll look like a fool. There's tour buses out there. It's the 150th anniversary. I'm going to get arrested, God. He said, go dance in the minefield. Go dance where others have died. And I'm out there on FaceTime with my wife repenting because she had woke up for years with either an on-fire revivalist, a great husband and dad, or a discouraged preacher. I promise next time I'll come, I won't be so real. But this is my mantra. Because I have experienced the breath of healing. I have experienced what it means to be able to walk through town and say, uh-uh, uh-uh, this thing ain't on me. For it goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you might through his poverty might become rich. For you know the grace of our Lord. It's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace, for by grace, for by grace, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. And I'm not talking about the perverted grace that's being preached right now because they've never ever read Titus chapter 2. That grace is what empowers you to live a godly life. Not treat God like some get out of jail free card. Now that I'm saved, I can go act like the devil. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about understanding the true divine grace that was extended to you. You couldn't earn it. It's unmerited favor. It got handed to you. And if grace saved you, then to not forgive someone means that you believe your offenses to be greater than your personal testimony and Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 verse 25 and whenever you stand praying forgive if you if, if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses so in other words when you have not forgiven don't come to the altar because it's worthless worthless now please don't take this sermon wrong and run up to 12 people and say you hurt me because then afterward we're gonna look at you and go well now I'm hurt so get over it suck it up be a leader rise up learn how to praise and move on is it okay if I talk like this tonight you got to understand I was in Houston this morning they're radical it's where pastor Paul's from But the grace you offer others better be in direct correlation to the grace you've received. Now I understand if you stay offended because you've never understood how much your dad loves you. Because then your balance is there. You don't believe he loves you, so how can you let somebody else be free? And so, but what you have to realize is Colossians 3 verse 13. See, I've seen so many miracles. I, a very well-known international leader made had a major falling down and I was preaching in, in a city in this, or a church in this town and, and I watched his two boys crumpling to the ground in the middle of, I was hundreds in the altar, but I, I remember just wrapping my arms around them and they said, why did he do it? I said, you gotta let it go, it'll poison you. 
Colossians 3.13, but bear with each other. Go back to that. Go back to that. Colossians 3. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You want to stop this revival. Then get mad. I wish somebody would get with me tonight. This is very different from what I preach, but it's what's burning in my spirit because the anointing I carry will never reach maturity until I offer the same grace that allowed me to relinquish my past. You're never going to experience what God has for you. He gave me a vision at the first of the year, uh, uh, and I, you may have heard me share this, but, but I had this vision while I was praying of Jesus with all these, this belt of keys, and he said, if you'll ask me for the keys, I'll give you the key to any door. Little keys open giant doors. And big doors hang on two hinges, which is the very foundation of Jesus' throne, truth and justice. But you have to know, if you never let go of those who hurt you in your past, you'll never love those in your future. And God says, I've been waiting to forgive is to release grace, but actually you're actually handing someone out. It's a ticket to your freedom. At the moment you let go of it, at the moment you say, I'm not going to live under this thing anymore. I'm not going to keep talking about what happened 15 years ago. I'm going to hand it away. God is actually handing you a key to your destiny to be able to walk in authority. The gifts of heaven will open up, but not when you continually carry off. And grace, one of the very definitions of grace is the ability to say bye-bye. When I buried my sister, I was offended at God for six months. Because she had been saved for four weeks, but her body was done because of the drugs. And I'll never forget, I came home, or Karen came home one day, and I'm sitting at the top of my stairs where I go up and pray and where I write my books. And she says, you need to turn around because Jesus is right behind you and he wants to talk. And I said, okay. And I turned around and crawled and I wrestled with God for seven hours until the grace of God overwhelmed me. And I was able to say to her, bye-bye, bye-bye. I'll see you there. But grace is the ability, it's the anointing that God puts on you that suddenly you can look at the things that have hurt you and say, love you but I can't carry you and carry my cross too I'm sorry you're getting in the way of my cross I'm trying to pick up my cross he told me to carry my cross but I can't carry you on my back if I'm still if I'm trying to carry I can't carry both of us oh you got to get a hold of this there comes a moment where you say it don't matter what they did to me it don't matter how they hurt me it don't matter what came against me I got to let it go because I got something up here I got to get to I love you but I got to go bye-bye bye-bye love you bye-bye I got to say bye 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 to it because there's a moment when you say I'm letting go I got to let it go I know they did that to me they don't even know they did it most of the time and so I'm dying while they're living but God says pressing towards forgetting what is behind me I'm pressing I'm pushing past this thing oh stand up on your feet and give him 10 seconds of praise most different word he's ever gave me Oh, what are you talking about, Pat? You better learn how to say grace before your meal of offense. Because you're never going to be an overcomer till you get over it. Get over it. It's over. Somebody say it's over. My surroundings don't determine my destiny. Even in the pit. Even in the prison. Even in the palace, when you walk in forgiveness, your surroundings never control your destiny. Can I give you the timeline of Joseph? They take him and they throw him into a pit. And he's picked up by the Ishmaelites or the Midianites. And, and they take him. His dad thinks he's dead. He's the firstborn of his love. 
And they take him to Egypt. But over and over and over, he would fight the offense. He sold to Potiphar in Genesis chapter 39. And, but even in the midst of living in Potiphar's house as a slave, he has favor on him, according to Genesis 39 verse 4. And he gets elevated to being over the house. I mean, he's arrived. In fact, the Bible even says, while he was in the house, he was blessed. And Potiphar was blessed. He fought the offense. In fact, never once did he get angry. Everything that would go come against him in every situation, he would end up being the COO. He's good looking. So next thing you know, Potiphar's wife would rather have a slave than a prime minister. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 11, 39 verse 11, that, that Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. But because he's kept his heart clean from the vileness of unforgiveness, he looks at her and, and he takes off and, and she gets offended at this. And, and he ends up leaving his jacket because Joseph was much like Jesus. He would wear three different jackets, prophet, priest, and then king. And so you have to understand he I'd rather lose my jacket than my virginity and and so he takes off running but but by this point by by verse 20 he gets locked in jail for something he didn't do but he never got offended he fought the offense. He gets in jail. The king is, or, or Pharaoh has gotten mad at his cupbearer and his baker, and, and he throws them in prison because they probably sneezed. And so they're in prison, and, and, and they both have dreams. And one's dream is not very good because you end up in dead, but, but they, 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 they meet Joseph in prison, who, by the way, now is in charge of the prison. This guy's Joel Osteen. He just smiles. He just smiles. I mean, nothing affected him. And so he, the cupbearer and the, and, the, and the baker come to him and say, you know, we had dreams. He tells him what the dreams are. And he says, I'm going to tell you what now. I'm going to tell you what your dreams are. But when you get out of here, don't forget me. Remember me in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 40. And they promise to remember him, but they forget him. Does he get offended? No. He just presses on. See, I've learned that if you don't take offense, if you don't let it destroy you, God will make you ruler over the place created to destroy you. You'll never really get a worshipful life. You'll never learn how to praise until you worship where you should have died. I mean, that's when it's next level stuff. And, and then and finally in Genesis 41, Pharaoh has a set of dreams. And, 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 and one of these fellows goes, well, hey, oops, I can't believe I forgot this. But there's a guy in prison I met, you know. Yeah, we, yeah, we hung out on the block together. And, and he can tell you what your dream means. So they take him and, and they call him forward. And, and Pharaoh says, I had a dream. Let me tell you about my dream. And basically, it will be seven years of blessing. Prepare for the blessing. Get, hide the blessing. Put it up. Because then there's going to be seven years of famine. And Pharaoh is so blown away by this kid who has this anointing. Listen, when is offense going to sink him? I mean, his own family has abandoned him. His dad thinks he's dead. He moves into a house and a woman tries to seduce him. He ends up in prison. He gets out of prison. And next thing you know, he's standing before Pharaoh and he says, well, let me tell tell you what your dreams are because when you walk without offense you will flow in a prophetic anointing to tell other people where they're going the greatest gift according to 1 Corinthians 14 and the Bible says then Pharaoh says to him in verse chapter 41 verse 40 I elevate you to visor which is second in command over Egypt. He became the top dog under Pharaoh, and really they saw each other as equals. And so you have to understand, then famine strikes, and people are starving in the region, and including his family that has long abandoned him 20 years before this. And you know what I've learned? I 
I've learned, Joseph is proof you can have revival in the midst of the famine. Don't you walk around and act like God can't move when you're walking through something. I'm going to be honest with you. It's in that moment where you got nothing left that the Holy Ghost hits you and you're able to dance where you should have died. I wish somebody would stand up and praise him. Ten seconds of praise. Ten, nine, eight. I'm talking to somebody. Five, four, three, two, one. And I'll close. But there's a reward for not holding offense. And so finally, the reward for not holding offense, we get to chapter 42 of Genesis. And next thing you know, his brothers have to come see him. They don't know it's him. They're starving to death. They come to Egypt. It's two years into the famine. And he even messes with them because he recognizes them and he even puts puts one of them in jail and, and says go back and get your youngest brother but twice he had to stop and go hide and cry proof that you've overcome is when you can bless when you're dying on the inside he could have killed them one whisper they were it was over for them And then again in verse 24, when they come back, and there's much that happened here, but I'm not going to go into it. He sees them again and has to go in the other room and starts crying so intensely that the Egyptians' household outside could hear him. And they show up at his house, and he makes a meal for them. And says, is there anybody else? And they said, there's Benjamin. Benjamin was his only real brother. These were his half-brothers. Benjamin. That's when he cried. And they bring Benjamin to him, and he starts crying. Because I just saw my brother. And he looks at him in Genesis chapter 45. There's seven through nine, and this is what he says, friends. But God sent me through this hell. To preserve for him a remnant on earth. You have to understand. You have to understand there would be no nation of Israel without what just happened right here. You have to understand because he goes on to tell us and that, 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 that he, he says, so, so your lives might, so you save your lives by great deliverance and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but it was my God that put me through this because he was preparing me for a moment to rescue. He was preparing me for a moment to have victory. He made me father. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. Oh, you got to get what I'm saying. You got to get what I'm saying. Here is Joseph. He's now number two in command and his brothers are bowing to him. It reminds you of a dream he had at 17. But what you got to realize is they go home and they say, hey, dad, we lied. Your boy, he's alive, and he's in charge of Egypt. That's spanking time right there, man. You're going to get tore up. You better put on four pairs of underwear. It's going to hurt. And verse 27 of Genesis 45 says, his spirit revived. And Joseph's vision saved a nation because he would say, tell everybody to come on, 70 different families. You're not getting this yet. Including Levi's family, who had a daughter named Jochebed, who was the mother of Moses. who would bring deliverance 80 years later after he was born. And if you can throw off your offense that is on your back, you can save your family. 
Your future is not dependent on the offense. It's dependent on your re reaction. And what you got to understand, you define it by how you react. You have an opportunity to throw off the weight. It's Psalms 55 verse 22. Cast all your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. And now for the dummy on my back. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since I'm surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw it off. Let's throw it off. Because I got dreams, man. I'm going to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily wraps me up. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Oh, you got to get a hold of this because if you study the life of Joseph, it was much like the life of Jesus. Every part, even the age when he, when he would rise to power, it was all tied to the same amount of time. And Jesus even said, take my yoke upon you and my burden is light. You're not getting this yet at the moment in Matthew 11:29, when he said that for I am gentle and humble in spirit and you'll find rest in your souls but Jesus understood what was coming down the road because in Luke chapter 23 verse 34 he would father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and to forgive means you hand off something. I'm forgiving you. I'm letting go and tried to kill me because I want to rescue my family and I'm not going to live like this anymore. And there comes a moment, oh, you got to get a hold of this. You got to get a hold of this when you offer grace again. And Psalms 23 says that when I offer grace at my meal, you serve a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my and had my cup brims with blessing because there's a moment where you lay it down forgetting what is behind me. I will keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. You want to stop Sunday nights. You want an antidote for revival. Because I got friends that led the last great revival. Very close friends. Talked to one today via text. And the only thing that will stop this move of God is not the religious people that are going to talk bad about you. It's not even the demons that are running rampant in this city. It's not even the spirit of witchcraft that's over this region. No, 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 no. Because when Pastor Kim got up and prayed tonight, it was like I heard heaven go. That's what it felt like when she started praying. It's like. You want to stop the move of the spirit. But I want you to have a shouting and dancing tonight. Me too. Because I gave him my word. Every time I come here, I would write something from the spirit for this house. Not pulling something out of the files. And the Lord said, go tell them. Take off the dust. If he can, for I give myself in their place. That's what he was saying when you forgive. For I give, I give back the peace that belongs to you. I forgive. And at the moment you forgive, he'll say, go bring your family into the kingdom. Now I trust you. And go rescue the remnant. 
the Spirit of the Lord is here. And I see the Lord running through this house with scissors, cutting off hurts. And some of you going to catch it for it falls because it's become your identity. But God says, let it go. Let it go. If you let it go, you won't be able to hold the people in this house because you're going to call the ones, Romans 15, verse 7, except one another, just as Christ accepts you, or you in order to bring praise to God. The person that makes you the angriest is the, the person that you have the key to win the most. And what if? Right where you're at, you left what that dad did in the chair. You left what that person did, that mom did, or that that brother and just said and this time when you come up here he'll hear your prayer you need to understand I'm not picking him back up because he don't know me no more Lift your hands and cry out to the Father right now across his house. Say it come on worship team come help me come help me unless you need to be in the altar don't come help me if you need to be in the altar but there's a moment there's a moment where you let it go do you know never allow anyone else to be my excuse to stop me from my next I will never allow anyone else to be my excuse to stop me from the mantle he's called me to carry I tell you right now this thing that happened to me three weeks ago open open heavens I will never lie listen the problem is throughout the years you get offended because you expect them to agree with you or to believe in you when I don't need that you don't need that all I got is him 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 somebody lift your hands and cry out to the father some of you've been through divorce and you've never let it go oh you're blocking it's like a, a door stopper in front of your miracle you're, you're God saying let it go let it go all over this room I want you to reach up and get ready because you need to know you wonder why the miracles haven't happened for you the open God's saying, I need you to go and fix this thing. Let it go. And when you approach me, I will anoint you like you've never been anointed before. And no matter what happened, whether it was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it's over. It's over. It's the girl that came to Tampa two weeks ago that was birthed out of rape. And she came to our service and she said, she had tweeted me a while back, had read my book, and she said, it doesn't matter how I was birthed. What matters is how I die. And she took the mic and preached. Because this is a new day of anointing. And what's going to happen is this anointing is going to break loose. There is going to be things that happen to you, but everybody shut your eyes all over this place. Shut your eyes. And I want you to tell me, hold on just one second. It's really good, but hold on. I got to know this without any prompting of the music for a second. I love the music, but oh, that song you wrote, my Lord. But all over this house, there are people in this room and the spirit of the Lord is hovering over you right now and he's tapping you on the shoulder saying, are you ready? Are you ready to let it go? 
If you've been hurt or you've been wounded and you're carrying something that not even your spouse might even know about. If that is you, if that's you, you say, Pat, I got to let it go. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt because it's been poisoning me all these years. I didn't realize I've been carrying that dead body for so long. It's become a part of me. I even buy, I had to buy the clothes to fit it now. And God says, forgetting what is behind me. If that is you and you say, I've been hurt and I've been wounded and somebody has hurt me. I mean, I had a bunch of dead bodies on me. I had offenses that happened in ministry. I had a bunch of dead bodies. So not just, not just offender. There was a much more, but you got to understand if you say, I can't handle it anymore. I got to walk free. I'm warning you. If you get a hold of this word, your family will see a new husband, a new mom, a new brother, a new sister, a new grandparent. Don't you dare die in the casket with anybody else, but you. And God says across this room, if you're ready to get free and you say, Pat, I have offenses, things that have hurt me, and God is whispering in my ear, and I must get free tonight, and it's going to hurt because I don't even know how to walk without that weight on me. But if that is you, I know how you feel. If that is you, raise your hand now. Right now, raise your hand. Right now, raise your hand. Come on, come on, raise it up high. Raise it up high. There we go. There we go. There we go. Raise it up higher. Higher, almost like you're reaching, saying, pick me up. And if that is you, if that is you first, what would happen? Everybody join them. Raise your hands. Say this out loud. I submit to God. Your Lordship. Change me. Forgive me. Wash over me. You are the Christ. You forgave me. So I got to get free now. Now reach up to your chest. I want you to say, Jesus, it's going to be hard because it hurt. Hold on. No music. Sorry. No music. Hold on. Spirit of the Lord is moving. Say, Jesus, it's going to be hard because it hurt. But I want to live again. Say it. I want to live again. So reach up and Grab a hold as if you've got those same, same straps I had on. And I want you to say this out loud. Tonight, I let go of my offender so I can walk to the altar. And you'll hear my voice. Now pull the straps apart. Pull the back, pull back, pull back. And drop it behind you. And say, I forgive. And then watch what happens in a minute. Watch what happens, baby. Watch what happens. It's going to get easy to walk again. It's going to get easy to walk again. He's been waiting on you. It's going to get easy to walk again. You're about to have an anointing hit your life. And everyone that raised your hand, you're the first. I want you to understand in a minute. At the moment you step past the front row, those that raise their hands, and you step across the line, you know the line. And when you go to step across the line, something's going to hit you. Come on, you raise your hand first. Everyone else will join you. Come closer. And say, come closer. Why would you preach this? We're in revival, I know. And I'm tr simply trying to protect it. Because every revival has stopped because of offense. Now, those 
those that are up front, there's about seven more that are supposed to be. Where, where are you at? Where are you at? Get up here, man. If I can tell you my story, you can come up here. Because I even danced how I wrote it. Go hit you. Get ready. Stretch your hands out like this. And say, Jesus, here you go. Say, Jesus, it's yours. Everyone in the house, come stand behind them. Holy Ghost about to break out. Holy Ghost about to break out. Holy Ghost, cry out, cry out to God. Cry out to God all over this room. Here you go. Here you go. The Lord said, just bring another block to the revival, Pat. Don't try to come and make revival happen. It's already here. He said, just bring a block to the revival. Here you go. I give you what happened to me in my freshman year. happened to me in preschool when I was so young. I give you what happened to me when they announced they were getting a divorce, but they could care less that it ripped me up. I give you what happened to me on that date. I give you what happened to me in the divorce proceedings. the room now cry out here he comes he says make your petitions known make your petitions known make your petitions known he said I can hear you now 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 I can hear you 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 God told me to tell you he can hear you now he can hear you say it's over say it's over it's over somebody cry out and say it's over it's over it's over. 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 I can't carry it. Bye bye. Put your put your hand right behind you. Don't look back there, but just put your hand behind you and go. Grace means bye bye. Let it go. Come on, wave, everybody now. Wave behind you. Say, bye-bye. I'm going up here now. Say, I'm going up here because he's called me higher. Higher. I'm going higher. I can't see you no more. Forgetting what's behind me. I'm pressed. Begin to cry out to the Lord all over this place. So, na 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 ba ko ta na 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 ba sa ta na 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 ba sa te. Son da 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 da.